Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. convictions of the truth of God and who Jesus is and God's word. And we've been spending some time on what we believe this summer in our teaching series. And today, as part of our We Believe series, we're going to talk about the church. Now, when we talk about the church, some people kind of think, well, duh, church is church, right? We're here today. We've gathered here today. And, and that's true. We've gathered in here uh, as the church. And we're going to talk about what that really means but this building, when I come here during the week on my own and there's nobody in here, man, it sure feels like just an old building. And, but when we come together here like this, there's something special. There's something holy about that. But the building itself, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, it's an old building. I, and you think, well, this has some old world charm. It's really wonderful. But I've been in some places that they call churches way fancier. I've been in some places, like I've been to this place here. Uh, right here. Does anybody recognize that? Uh, Westminster Abbey. We're actually, this is a sketch of what we're building in our new building coming up here. I uh, love, love that. Um, but I've been there before. It's pretty amazing. You're like, wow, this is unbelievable. It takes your breath away. Now I've been to some really special places. When I went to Israel and they have churches all over Israel that are built on holy sites a couple, I mean, there's a couple sites you can't get more holier than I, I was at, I, I've been to. I've been in the Church of Nativity. This is the place where they believe, they built this huge cathedral over where they believe Jesus was born. Born in a stable, which really was a cave. And they built, in the basement of this huge cathedral, there's this place right here. And you had to wait in line. They believe that's the birthplace of Jesus Christ. Right there. That's a pretty holy place, don't you think? That's, that's pretty amazing. And then in Jerusalem... I went and I knelt under an altar where they believe, when in fact the church of the Holy Sepulchre was built over Golgotha, which is where Christ died on the cross. And where I'm kneeling and touching and putting my hand in a hole where they believe was the foot, footing of the, of the cross of Christ. Can you imagine being able to thank Jesus for saving your soul on the cross, the very square inch of the real of any other real estate on earth is right there. You can't get any more holier of place, I think, than that. Isn't that amazing? That's it's unbelievable. And you've been to some pretty places too, I'm sure. You've been to some, some cathedrals, maybe in Europe and England and other places where it just takes your breath away. It's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. And yet as amazing as those churches and those holy places are, there's, there's something a little bit off in all of it. Because sometimes we ask the question, you know, what is church? In fact, you came here today and you maybe had a conversation and we're going to come to church and be at church. But here's what I'm going to correct you. It's not what is the church. It's actually who is the church. The real question is who is the church? See, this is what we believe about who the church is. This is what we believe at Christ the King. The church of Jesus Christ is made up of of all believers who have been given and accepted a new life by the Holy Spirit, which is a life of holiness, humility, and service. The church is the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head of the body. Even believers 
Every believer's primary responsibility is to demonstrate the love, authority, and life-changing power of Jesus. Big statement, long statement, but to sum up, our focus today is to know this and be reminded of this, of not what the church is, who the church is, and the church is this. A church is a people, not a place. A church is a people, not a place. Now, we all been kind of times, we, you know, even you said this morning, hey, are you, maybe you woke up your family, like, are we going to church today? Now, that might have been a question for some of you. Now, you grew up, many of you, it was a Sunday morning. You didn't ask that question. You just went to church, okay? You went there. You don't ask, are we going to church today? You just went there, right? This is where you ended up being. Or we'll see you at church. I'm going to church. Or what church do you go to, right? And we say this a lot, but it's not exactly accurate. Theologically about not what the church is, but who the church is. <clears throat> see, at North Bay, we've been very intentional of not calling the church this building, the church, about nine years ago, some of you were around nine years ago, you walk in this building and it was, there's birds flying all over in here and broken windows and, and we're like, wow, we can have this building to use. Like, whoa, what are we going to do with it? And so we renovated this building and, and there was a sign out front that said, sea connection. It was ripped down and everything. And like, and we came to the place because we've been you know, a church without a place. And we really made a commitment, like, now that we have a place to gather, that we don't want this to be called the church. And so we've called this place the connection place for all these years. And it's a great name because we're, we're connected on a corner, but our goal is to connect people here and to connect with God. And so we've kept that here. And so we try not to call this building the, the church. And, you know, at some point we're going to be building, and in fact, this fall, we're going to, you're going to hear plans about this, and we're actually looking to hopefully we can break ground in this next year on a new building, which is going to be a new connection place. So if people hear this something like, oh, I heard North Bay's building a new church. No, you're not? No, we're building a building where the church will gather and the new connection place for people to connect in, not just us connecting with God and one another, that the community can connect with God and, and we can be a part of it. Now, if you slip up and you call this a church, oh, I'm at the church. Oh, no, it's not called a church. It's called a, don't do that. Don't be like, don't be that person. Don't be nitpicky. We get it. We get what you're saying. I've, if I slip up, it's okay. But what happened though? You, you got to think about this. Over hundreds of years, the reason we say it, a place is because we've been trained that way. History, church history has shown that, that a lot of people have made the church a place. We, it's shaped our thinking, whether it's fancy or a functional place. It's been about architecture. It's been about a location. And so today, it's a good reminder to go back, to go back to the origin, to go back to the beginning of not what the church is, but who the church is is and, and the source of scripture to tell us. And I find it kind of very interesting, in fact, is the very first person to use the word church in scripture is Jesus himself. When he went on a, a little leadership, leadership retreat with about 12 of his disciples, the 12 gathered and they went to a place called Caesarea Philippi, and he just needed to get, get away with them because he had some stuff he wanted to communicate with them. And so he takes them to this area, and it's kind of a remote area. It's probably a one day's walk from Galilee. And he makes this famous declaration. You might be familiar with this, where he says this to him. He says, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome that. Now, I, I had the opportunity to go and visit Caesarea Philippi. And I honestly, I was kind of ignorant of the location until I actually got there. 
And so I show up and I knew this passage that Jesus made this decoration and all this. And I get there and I get off the bus and I'm going, oh, I get it now. And you would too, as you get there, this huge, massive rock formation. It's one of those kind of rocks like you'd want to climb up to, like this huge cliff, this huge rock. And then below it, they've got this little ancient little kind of pantheon, kind of little Greek looking thing down below. And below there was what was considered Hades. There was a community of people that believed that, that there was the God of the underworld that lived under this rock. And so when Jesus, here he is, great, you know, takes his whole crew up there, makes this great point, says, listen, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not come against it. He's saying, listen, my church, what I'm going to be doing, it's going to be massive. It's going to be a, a movement that's going to take place. It's going to be bigger than anything you imagine. And not even hell itself or anything is going to come against what I'm going to do. Now, you got that imagery, and we can get thrown a little bit because, okay, we, Jesus, it's a rock. You're making it about a place. But it's interesting. It's the word, the word for church in the Greek, and this is so significant, so if you're learning, want to learn a Greek word today, it's this word, it's ekklesia. Ekklesia, it, and that word, it means called out once. So when Jesus says this, on this rock I will build my church, he's saying I will build my ekklesia, a called out group of people. In fact, the, our college ministry at CTK, it's called ekklesia. That's where, that, where they get the name of it. It's pretty significant. It's the called out once. Now, the word ecclesia was not new to the, even though it's new to scripture and new, it shows up first in the Bible, it was not new to the disciples. They've heard that word because it was a Roman word. And, the, and the, they would use that word to gather people together, to gather citizens together. So the Romans would actually do this. And, you know, before technology and communication needed to be verbal, so town criers would go, Hey, everybody, you need to gather in the town square. Everybody, the whole village needs to come together. we got really, really important information needs to be communicated. So everybody came and gathered together. And there, and it typically was the Romans, some Roman soldier had a degree, something about Caesar, usually had to do, they're going to raise the taxes, they're going to do something. It was actually kind of a negative connotation at times of the ecclesia coming together, the gathered ones, the call, you're calling out, he's calling them out, hey, come on, come on, you need to be a part of this, and we need to gather together, and it came with a purpose. They didn't just gather together, they gathered for a purpose. And usually it was, make allegiance to Caesar to receive orders required by Roman government. That you gotta, this is what you got to do next. And so Jesus redeems this word. He redeems this word and saying, listen, listen, I, I have my ecclesia. I'm calling out the call that wants to unite. And I've got information. I've got marching orders. I have something that to, he rallies his ecclesia, his church together. That's really the heartbeat of why we gather here today. We, got, we come together in unity. We come together in allegiance to our Lord and worship. We're here to give instructions and to go out and fulfill what we're called to do. And that's what the early church did. And after Jesus rose again, ascended to heaven, Holy Spirit came and the church was birthed. But it was birthed not just in, in one location, but to be the ecclesia to go across the world. And what happened, why the ecclesia spread is because of persecution. The Jerusalem People were persecuted, and so they, they spread out, and they moved from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and farther out, and through the Mediterranean, and all through Asia, and all through Africa, and all through Europe, the ecclesia of the church spread, that the movement took place. 
And despite the mass persecution, in the first 300 years, the church grew exponentially. In fact, the church went from, they believe, from 120 people on the day of Pentecost to over 20 million believers in 300 years of the church. And here's the the kicker of all of it. There was no buildings. There was no budgets. They didn't even have the Bible all put together, the canon of scripture. That didn't happen until in the the 300s. And so what happened? Well, how did the church become, move from a, a people to a place? Well, like anything, movements can get institutionalized. Early church followers were thrown into the and to the lions, right? Christians were um, like thrown in the lions for sport. I mean, it was a, an intense time that were happening. And then it was almost like a, a, a switch got flipped. The Roman emperor Constantine became a Christian. And all of a sudden Christianity became legal. And not only legal, but in thir- 313 AD, it was the official religion. And if you weren't a Christian, then you're going to get persecuted for not being a Christian. That's what was really was happening. And pretty soon the church grew, but it grew as an institution. It started building buildings and buildings that spread all through, all through the Mediterranean and Italy and Europe and all through. And you can go there today. You can visit all these beautiful places over hundreds of years, these churches that were built and even got to Germany. And in Germany, what they did is they took the Bible, they translated it from Latin into German, and especially during the, the Reformation that took place, Martin Luther and all that. And, and when, here's the, what happened, though, it's a very interesting history. When it got to the German translation of the word church, they translated it into the German word kirch. And the word kirch is where we get the word church. And kirch means cathedral. Like, we're going to blame the Germans, aren't we, on this, Right? But at some point in there, it became about a place. Now, a little bit of history with that. It's kind of interesting to think about. Okay, some etymology of words and all that. But all through time, we've so much have made the church about a place. And yet it's about a people. Now, I love what Andy Stanley says. He says, you can lock the doors of a church, but you can't lock the doors of the ecclesia, the church. And so you understand when Jesus says, I'm going to build, he didn't say, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my ecclesia. That the gates of hell will not come against it because it's a people. And here we are 2,000 years later through highs and lows, darkness to enlightenment, corruption and revival. What took place? We're still here. The proof of the church is we're still here. We're not just gathered in a place, but we're gathered as a people. The ecclesia, this unstoppable force that continues to grow and continues to have momentum, even in the midst of the confusion of institutions and all that go with that. Isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing? But where are the church? Where are the ecclesia that he's called us to be? Now, what are we to do now? As the church, what is our role? What is it? Well, there's so much in scripture to describe us of what we are to be and how we are to act. But I just want to give you some practical thoughts just to kind of hang in your heart this week of like, how does it mean? What does it mean to be the ecclesia, to be the church? The first is this to highlight is that the church, you know, we're, it's a family that loves each other. The church, the ecclesia is to be a people that's to love each other. How many this summer have already been to like a family reunion? Anybody gone to your family reunion? Anybody going, planning to go to a family reunion coming up? Are you excited about it? Not everybody is. Not every, they're your family, their blood and, and marriage and all that goes on in that. You're just like, I don't really, uh, 
it's awkward at times. I'm getting together once a year with people I guess I'm related to. This is weird. They might, you know, that weird cousin or uncle, and you're just like, oh, you know, I don't want to go. And the reason, let's be honest, some of you reason you go, you feel obligated to go, because if you don't go, they'll talk about you while you're not there. <laughs> and you know this is because when you're there, they'll talk about the people that are not there. Oh, they're too good for us. They don't want to be here at this, this family reunion, right? So family, and I point that out, like it's, family is awkward sometimes. Family's dysfunctional. Some of you in all seriousness have grown up in some really some pretty broken dysfunctional situations. So when we talk about family, it's always kind of a loaded word. And I'll just speak the elephant in the room because I'm good at that, is that when it talks about the church here, and we're talking about being a family, some of you have had some negative church family experiences. Some of you grew up in a church that was kind of functioning, dysfunctional, and there was fighting going on. There's, there's some of us that have struggled feeling accepted by, you know, they said they loved us, but they didn't really love us, and they didn't accept us, and some of us have some of that kind of church baggage that's here today, and all this, this is the elephant in the room, is the fact there's people not in this room, because at some point, they got hurt and burned and, 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 and mad or whatever, and they're not a part of this church any longer. They're out of here. I'm taking my stuff, and I'm out of here, right? That happens all the time, right? And so, Talking about church, but the church, as we describe it, and you see in scripture, it's a family. And with the family, we're called to love one another and to care for one another to do that. Now, when that's not happening, when you don't feel loved, or you know, whose fault is it? Well, I want to say this, it's everybody's fault. It's your fault and my fault. See, loving each other is a tough thing, and that's why Jesus makes it the, the number one commandment. Like he, like of everything he says, he says this, he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Is there a theme? Do you sense a theme there? Pretty love one another. Now you're thinking, okay, that's good. Here's the hard part of it. Here's the hard part of it. I am really tough to love. No, I am. I'm, a, I'm tough. To, you're like, oh, you seem like a good guy and everything. Yes, until you get to know me a little bit. <laughs> I have fears. I have insecurities. I have issues. I have struggles. I do. And here's the other thing is this. You're really tough to love too. <laughs> am I? Yeah, you are. You are, we don't, you know, we have issues. We have struggles. We're all in the same place. Well, you don't know my story. You know what I'm going through. Yeah, but you don't know my story. You don't know what I've gone through. Can we just set all that aside and just follow the command that Jesus gave us to love one another? Am I stepping on toes anywhere? Okay, that's good. I hope I am. You're like, don't be offended. I love you. I say this all in love. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? So what do we do with love? Oh, I love you. You love me. That's great. No, you know what? That's great to say that. But love is proven. Love is an action. Paul says this. Okay, we're going to love each other. How are we going to love each other? It's very clear. How do we do that? Well, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It has no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I find that last part so liberating. Because deep down, 
When I want to love somebody, and I don't mean to love somebody like I'm just trying to patronize them, like, oh, I should love them because I need to love them. But I truly want to reach out and love for one another. Here's the liberating part about it. If I've done that with the right heart, I need to know it doesn't matter what their response is to me. Right? But I love them. You can't, the Bible says you can't fail in love because love never fails. But what if they don't receive my love? That's not, that's not you. That's them. If they don't reciprocate the love back or re- receive the, even the love you've given, that's not, that's not you. That's them. If you've done it with the right heart and the right intention, the love. Well, I could have done this. because If you've done it in love, that's what matters. See, as the ecclesia, if there's anything we can be known for, Jesus says, you will know, you, they will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Doesn't matter how wonderful our music is and how great the coffee is and all that goes on in here. What matters the most is people will know that we love one another because that is all truly, truly that we need, that the world out there can never, ever offer, that we have as his ecclesia, as his family. So be a family that way, is to love one another. Here's the other thing the church is a body that's dependent on one another. The church is a body that's dependent upon one another. We need to stop and reflect how amazing our body is. I don't know if you've looked in the mirror lately and just went, man, I'm amazing. I'm an amazing. If you've done that, we'll pray for you for that. Most of us don't do that, but our bodies just, you know, inside of us even are amazing. I had to look this up because I heard that the eye is the most technologically advanced thing in in the world. The eye. And what I found out this week is the retina itself, it has 130, not 1,000, cells. You can look this up. 130 million cells. Your retina of your eye. Do you think that that's a guy you got to do? Can you turn to the person next to you and say, just look them in the eye and say, you are a walking wonder. Look at, come on, look at them. You are amazing. You know, what's amazing about the body? You know, what's amazing about the body is this, is that when it's in unity, it's so amazing when it's working together, right? When you perform, I was trying to, when some guys the other day trying to golf, if I could just, there's moments and then there's horrible times, moments and horrible times. If I could get my brain and my body to do what needs to be done. And it's amazing that when the body of Christ works together in unity, nothing stops. When the ecclesia comes together. Now I got to ask this question. How many know how many churches are in Whatcom County? Does anybody know how many churches in Whatcom County? Anybody want to guess? Is anybody? Throw a number out. 150? 10? 300? 200? Someone said it earlier. They already got it. There's one. There's one. Who said one? Okay, you can have some, Jasmine, you get coffee afterwards. I'll pray. Okay, we have lots of coffee. We, you, that's one. You've ordered this before. One church. No, there's many churches. There's a lot of roofs and signs. And there's, a lot, there's a few hundred churches, but there's only one ecclesia. One ecclesia. Listen to the, the Bible describes it this way as a body. It says, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it's with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews, Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Do you catch a theme? 
Very clear. We are one. And he goes on and says, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So we are one. No one, no one here goes and says, and, and maybe there's a world out there now that we find that people do this. I hope it doesn't happen. But, you know, you're, you're you and your head is your name and then your arm is another name. Like you have two parts of you, okay? No one, we're all one unit, right? Does that make sense? That's kind of weird to say. That, we're all one. Okay, you're Bob, you're John, you're, you know, Susan, all right? That's your name. There's no parts of you. So with the body of Christ, but there's many parts of us. So it goes in detail. Now stick with me on this. This is so important to read. We need to be reminded of, of this. Now it says that this, if, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for this reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If you were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. And the parts that we seem are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Well, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. So there should be no division in the body. That is, and the parts should have equal concern for each other. Listen to this. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Hear it very clear. If you are here and you're going, uh, do I really matter? Uh, I don't know. Would anybody notice that I'm gone? Would everybody know? Well, if you come and leave and go and come and not talk to anybody, chances are yes. So if you're here like no one knows that I was gone, but does anybody really know you? I'm just being honest with you. There's so many people coming and going all the time. So I've had people call, hey, I was gone for a month and you didn't notice. Like, what's your name? And I don't mean to be offended, but I don't know. Unless we have a personal relationship, and the only way we're going to do that is in community. And the community is in a small group. It's being a part of something, getting connected in relationships that matter together. And when all of a sudden you look around, and you look around hey, where's such and such? Oh, because they're in your small group. And you know them. You remember them. So keep that in mind. But know this, that you are wanted and you are needed. And even though we might not remember that you're there, there is a sometimes feeling going, huh, there's something missing or someone's missing, and it's you. And what we need to understand is your part, what you bring is so important. Your talent, your passion, your abilities, who you are matters the most. It really, really does. And as you know, this, this church has many parts to make it function. Even here on Sunday morning, as we gather here even though it's not just a place and about a service, that's the church. We gather here and there's many, many moving parts that are involved. And I just wanted to highlight a few of those for you to consider saying, I kind of come and I kind of go, Do, am I really needed? Yes, you're needed. It seems like everything's covered over here. Looks like enough people making coffee. You know, we need more. We appreciate everybody serving, but we need help. We need help in our parking lot. Our, Paul and Jim and Jim. Uh, I don't know, is there any more gyms to help out? You don't have to, your name doesn't have to be Jim to help out in parking, okay, by the way. We need help. 
Just help once a month, you know, a couple times a month. Uh, communion help. We need some folks to set up communion. We do that. We have communion once a month. We gather around the Lord's table. And, and you're wondering, like, who sets up the little crackers and the little juice? And you're like, is it elves that do that? No, it's real people that set that up. And so we need some help so that we can spend some time and just reflect on what Jesus did for us. We mentioned Josh and, and kids. Man, Lindsay, don't mean some help. Lindsay, you're here today, and you've been helping out. Thank you for all that you've done, by the way. And so, yes, look at a hand. And Zoe and Logan's around here. I mentioned those guys earlier. So we're, if anybody's excited for Josh to be here, yes, you know. And so it's really good. But we know the help is needed for our kids. Some of it might just be checking, checking kids in, just starting there and getting involved that way. Some of you came today are new, and there was a friendly face to help you do the computer and everything. Uh, media person, really appreciate the folks that are clicking back there. Is that Mikey back there? No, it's, it's Mikey's right here. I heard your name somewhere, and there's... Mirda, thank you for being back there. I think that's you back there. I can't see. But uh, you, thank you. But guess what? Just clicking the button, you get trained that so we can worship the Lord. We got some words that we can know, right? Follow along. Shane would love to talk to you. If you play an instrument, sing or play or whatever it might be, he would, he's going to be in the back. We'd love to connect with you. Our yard, we need help mowing and weeding and weeding and all that kind of stuff. Because I think sometimes people, the Bible says, you know, the, um, God judges the, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. We need to remember, man looks at the outward appearance. They're like, man, that old building, did they take care of that? They could at least pull their weeds. We need help doing that. That would be awesome. So many different roles. Hear my heart. It's not just getting work done around here. Stuff needs to be done. You're in need because you're a part of it. So you can mark on here. There's a place that says, I would like to serve. And you can just write down whatever it is. And I didn't even mention some stuff that we could be mentioned. Could you do that today? Say, I could take a simple step. Now I'm going to challenge those who have been doing that for a while. Like maybe you've been ushering, maybe you're in greeting, maybe you're doing this. Could you go a little bit further? Some of you have been doing it for years and years, doing the same thing. The reason others are not getting involved is because you're in the way. You're like, well, should I quit? You don't want me anymore? No, no, no. Is it possible you need to do something a little bit more advanced. Meaning by this, you've been around for a while. Maybe this is a time for you to step up and be a small group leader. Maybe it's time to open your home to host. Maybe there's something a little bit bigger capacity because you've been around for a while that allows other people. In fact, find someone to replace you and say, God, what is it else you want me to do in meeting a need that's out there? Does that make sense? My heart is not to kick you off a job. It's to give opportunity. Nobody should be away. Hey, if someone comes up there and wants to speak, let me know. Okay. That'd be great. I love, we're trying to get different communicators. We love to do that. Let me know on that and other areas. But I, I'm not set on that, that the roles are this. It starts with you. And I tell you, you need me and I need you. We're working together as the body of Christ. And I tell you, we're not just to be strong so we look good in the mirror at us. Wow, we're a strong church. Look at us. We are strong for the mission. We're unified for the mission. See, know this. The church is an army that fights to rescue others. Church is an army that fights for rescue others. One of the most compelling, moving stories that came out this last couple of years, it's really an old, old, amazing story, is the story of Desmond Das. If you watch the movie Hacksaw Ridge, vividly, and let's just say, warn you, graphically displays the courage of this World War II medic who goes in the battle lines in Okinawa, Japan, single-handedly rescues, they don't know, between 50 and 100 of his men. He doesn't carry a gun. 
to do it. He's a, he's a pacifist, a seven-day Adventist. He didn't believe in killing people and you're carrying a weapon. And so in the whole process, you can watch the movie, he's harassed and he's even questioned. And it's a part of the movie, and I think it's some of the words that Desmond himself said in real life. He said this a question, why are you even in here in the first place? If you're not going to carry a gun, what are you doing? And he says this, why he's compelled to enlist. He says this, because when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, I took it personal. It isn't right that other men should fight and die, that I should just be sitting at home safe. I need to serve. I got the energy and the passion to serve as a medic right in the middle of where the other guys are. No less danger, just while everybody is taking a life, I'm going I'm to be saving it. And with the world set on tearing itself apart, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of, of it back together. Man, does that ever speak of today and where we are in our world, right? And that speaks of us as the ecclesia of the church. We, are, that's the same calling. And, and, and I love what happens here under all the artillery and the shelling and it's all going on. He goes one by one and puts a guy over his shoulder and brings them all the way over, ties a rope around, lowers them down. All these guys are coming down and then he's going. He says this line, he says, Lord, Give me one more. Lord, give me one more. Give me one more. Give me one more. And I tell you, I'm thinking, I don't know if that inspires you. It inspires her right now, right there. She's fired up, or he's fired up. One thing is sure is this. Could we be the ecclesia? Could we go in the battle cry? Lord, give me strength. Give me courage. Give me an opportunity for just one more. One more invite to go camp. One more opportunity to reach out to my friend across the street. One more opportunity to smile at my neighbor or my, and, and the, the coworker that I'm with. One more opportunity, God, that I can do what, God, you call me to do is seek and save the lost. To go behind the enemy lines of the devil and on this rescue mission. And I love the fact, the story that Desmond did it without any physical weapon. You know, we don't need any physical weapons. There's enough of that in our world today. What we, God has given us, the Bible says we, we have mighty weapons. We have weapons that not of this world, but of, 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 of heaven that God's given us to. It's prayer. It's the word. But I think one of the greatest weapons he's given us besides those is he's given us a heart. Heart to care, heart to serve, to reach out to those who are needing hope and healing and wholeness. Is there. And he's given us, the, the, as our commanding officer, what is called the great commission to do this. And it's a commission. Great commission says this, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Then he says, because of this, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. He said, let's join together. Let's go for one more. And I love the go part. Notice it says, it doesn't say, hey, stay and make disciples of all nations. He says, Go. Going means as Alex and Taryn are heading off in a few weeks and going to Mexico and reaching out to the people down there. The going is as we're launching and planning a church in the heart of blame. Going is beyond just even geographics. Going is wherever we go. It's across the street, going across the aisle, across your workstation. We do this as the ecclesia. We're the called out people to go. And that's the the great commission that God's given us to go and make disciples. And he's given us the great commandment to do, to do this by loving one another. Why? Because he loved us 
already. It's all because of he loved us. Because last but not least is this, the church is the bride that Christ died for. Church is a family. The church is a body. The church is an army. But the church is the bride that Christ died for. I've had the privilege of performing some weddings. Yesterday stood exactly right here as a couple to be, exchanged vows in one another. And many times I share the scripture in Ephesians 5 that I want to share with you that I challenge the husband with, the husband to be. I say this, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I tell a husband, be like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Lay down his life for his wife. That's what Christ did for us. A reminder of his sacrificial love for us. He laid down his life, not for a building, not for an organization, not for a denomination, not for a place, but for a people. We, the people, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Listen, we're called as a family to love each other. We're called as a body to work together. We're called as an army to fight for others. We're called as a bride because we are loved and who Jesus died for. I invite our team to come as you go to prayer. And I'd like you to make it personal before you leave today. You're like, ah, I know this. I get it. We're people, not a place. I get, what is your responsibility today? You're like, man, that was a great message. The only way this message would be any good at all is you, if, is you do something with it. Please, today, let's make this message great. Make this the best sermon you ever heard by actually living it out. This week. What is it? What is God calling? Here's the question. What is Jesus calling you as his ecclesia? Is a particular person he's wanting you to reach out to this week? Is a particular area of the, of the church? You're going, you know what? It's time. I've got to do it. It's my turn to get involved. That you can do that today and drop that off and put in the offering. Is there a particular cause that you're just stirred to fight for? Man, you're just stirred to help out and get involved. Is it possibility that you're here this morning and what you're hearing that's called is your very name, that Christ is calling you back to calling you in a relationship with him as his bride that he died for? What has he called you to do today as the church, as the called out ones that we gather and now we're called out to, to be as his church? Will you pray with me as we close? Lord, a lot's been said today. Hopefully we've been challenged in some way, somehow, either by the words that were expressed today or by your very spirit speaking to us. God, because I know you can speak beyond even the, the physical to our very hearts of how you want us to respond today. But I sense strongly, Lord, you want us to respond. is that today? And Lord, as we get clarity in what it is, we ask for courage by your spirit to empower us to fulfill, Lord, what you called us to do. To go to where we need to go and to do what we need to do. To talk to who we need to talk to. God, will you help those today, Lord, they are trying to find their place in the church to serve. Lord, trying to find their place in community. Will you help them, Lord, just find the right people to connect with? 
but some of us, Lord, we're, we're challenged to go as we go back out as your church, as the ecclesia is called out into the community, Lord. There's people, Lord, you want us to encounter. People that you want us to, to make it about the mission, Lord. God, give us one more. Lord, Lord, give me one more. Give me one more. Give me one more opportunity. Lord, the days go by so fast and this life goes by so fast. God, one more day. We're never guaranteed another day, God. May this day be the day. But we reach out in the urgency, Lord, as your church, God. I pray, though, specifically as we close, for those that are, are hearing their name, Jesus, you're calling him out to come in relationship with you. May that be their first calling today. Lord, they hear your voice and say, yes, Lord. Yes to you. Yes, Lord, I want to be your bride. I want to be a bride that you died for. Lord, that I can be in relationship with you. And Lord, you call this not just to look pretty, not just to be strong, but to reach out, Lord God, to use our life, God. May we find that clarity and find that confidence in you as your church, as your ecclesia, we're called out to live and to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said?